Hello, and welcome to this special edition of Where the Dark Corners Are. joining us tonight. Tonight, as I've just mentioned, this is a special edition of Where the Dark Corners Are, because tonight we are taking a road trip with the panda. Road trip with the panda. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Panda, you care to introduce yourself? I, I guess I will. My name is Michael. I am the son of this wonderful podcast owner <laughs> and that wonderful tune for me that we could possibly work on in the future. <laughs> well, those are those are good ideas. Okay. <laughs> okay, tonight for this special edition, we're actually heading over to Paris, France. And we're going to take a dark and morbid drive to 21 Rue Le Sur. This place of darkness and evil will become known as Paris's most sinister street. And we're going to learn why a previous renter earned the nickname Dr. Satan. So, let's go dark. Are you ready? Did we turn the lights off? I don't, I don't know what that means. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no. In a rather affluent neighborhood near the Eiffel Tower lived a man by the name of Marcel Pitchell. Born January 17, 1897, it would seem that Pitchell had had some mental health issues from an early age. When he was 11, he brought his dad's gun to school and discharged it. He also propositioned a female classmate for sex. So basically, he's starting off really good. Yeah, right off the bat. So, so he went to school at so he's eleven. Yeah. You said he yeah. brought so he brought dad's gun to school, and told this chick, "Hey, let's get it on." Right. Okay. Now, in his teenage years, he robbed a a post box. He committed various types of thefts, and he will eventually be charged with damage to public property. Instead of being tried, he actually gets ordered to undergo a psychiatric evaluation, and then. And there, it's discovered that he has, like, a mental illness. Now, despite this, he will eventually be allowed to Wait, enlist. So, 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 sorry. So, he steals a mailbox, and then that's when they decide to intervene. Well, he commits other forms of thefts. But, I, I mean, I'm just saying, it sounds like he steals the mailbox, and then the government's like, well, this guy's crazy. So, well, he does get evaluated. That was, no, he doesn't get evaluated until after the gun and the proposal with the sex with the girl. It's the mailbox that gets it. The, <laughs> the French government has decided this guy needs to be evaluated after they steal my mailbox. Combined with it. <laughs> I'm just saying the mailbox was the last straw. <laughs> it wasn't with the gun at 11. Well, this gets even... All right, all right, all right. Okay. I bet it gets better. All right, <laughs> so here we go. So despite this, despite the precious mailbox theft... 
he, and the discovery of his mental illness, he's allowed to enlist and serve in World War I. However, he's wounded and he's gassed at the Battle of Asnine, I think, Asine. And afterwards, he starts to display some symptoms of a breakdown. So the army sends him to various rest homes. And at these rest homes, Pitchell starts stealing army blankets, morphine, and other army supplies, as well as personal effects of people's wallets, letters, pictures. And so again, he gets arrested and does some jail time in Orleans, France. Now, when he's released, he's sent to a psychiatric hospital where once again, he's diagnosed with some various mental illnesses. Despite this, he goes back to the front lines of World War I, and in June of 1918, while at the front lines, he allegedly injures his own foot with a grenade, and once again, he gets evaluated and diagnosed again with some mental illnesses. However, this time, they just dis discharge him. So, once he's discharged, he actually joins an accelerated education program geared towards vets, and he obtains his medical degree in December of 1920. So he, he joins the army, or, sorry, he joins the military, does the same way, whatever he does. I think it's the army. And the military is like, he's crazy, it's fine, just put him on the front lines, probably not going to make it, and then he just keeps coming back, causing problems for them, and they kick him out. Right, and then he becomes a doctor. A doctor. That, that, this, is, this, is, this is a real thing. Right. He's crazy. He becomes a doctor. Correct. Correct. Okay. Okay. So, after he becomes a doctor, he moves to Villeneuve-sur-Vaughan, where he begins his work as a doctor, and he gains the reputation for utilizing dubious medical practices, such as supplying narcotics. Narcotics? Narcotics. Nar narcotics. 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 Thank you. <laughs> Conducting illegal abortions and committing petty theft. By this time, he himself is actually addicted to narcotics. So, who gave him? Who gave him his? Who taught him the medical practice? What what school or whatever decided? You know, this guy's fine. The military didn't want him. He's got some bad childhood trauma. And uh, well, he he goes through the program. They just say, "Oh yeah, it's fine." Yeah, but when he goes here to this hospital, you know, to work. It's believed that this is when he actually commits his first act of murder, or perhaps murders is more correct. So, in 1926, he was having an affair with a woman named Louise Delavue. Shortly thereafter, she completely disappears, and since the police can't find any links to Pitchell, her disappearance is simply dubbed as a runaway. And... She's not the only one about this time who gets silenced forever. Pitchell actually gets accused of murdering one of his patients by another patient. And so guess what? The patient that accuses him mysteriously dies. So you have three people dead. Allegedly. Allegedly. Right. Okay. But they're all connected to him. Now, while all of this is going on, he continues to commit other shady stuff. He gets elected as town mayor. But he embezzles money. He gets married to a wealthy young woman, and they have a son in uh, 1928. And because he just can't really walk the straight line, 
complaint after complaint regarding his thefts and his shady financial deals actually gets him suspended as mayor in August of uh, 1931. So he resigns, but because he has so many supporters, he actually gets elected as city councilor. And then in 1932, just a year later, he actually gets caught stealing electricity from the town. So he loses his councilman's seat and he just basically ups and moves to Paris. So this guy is liked? This guy is liked by a whole town of people? Right. Like this dude straight up is some charismatic homie? Just... What? I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> I mean, is he, what is he, is he good looking? I mean. No, he's not good looking. So how is this dude so popular? I don't know. I don't know. Trust me, I'm a doctor. You know, that's what he tells everybody. I mean, I don't get it. I just don't get it. Right. <laughs> okay. Okay. So once he's in Paris, you know, up to his old, I don't even know whatever you call it these days, but he uses fake credentials basically to make big impressions on his new clientele continues to conduct illegal abortions he's handing out prescriptions of addicted remedies like their candy but people start catching on law enforcement start catching on he actually gets institutionalized for kleptomania but gets released the following year and goes home to commit tax evasion so basically it's one thing after another with this guy yeah i mean <laughs> he just goes he's rolling town to town well, he's in Paris. <laughs> Just giving out legal abortions to the back of his horse carriage or some, <laughs> something, you know? <laughs> I mean, it's 26, so they probably have cars by now and everything, but, you know. Well, they have a mixture, right? It's right. a hybrid. It's a hybrid. Right. He's <laughs> just... They're running car. This yeah. Dude, yeah, this dude's just chilling in the back of his thing, just dishing out abortions okay. <laughs> under right. the table. Right. <laughs> That's what I mean. That's what I'm getting out of this. Who well, lets this guy get the, to these women? <laughs> Is, is that a thing? Do you guys do, do people talk about this back there? It's like, is there... <laughs> I actually don't know. There's no mention of that because here's the other thing that kind of works in his favor. Um, about after he gets released, uh, Germany invades France and France loses in May of 1940. So you know World War II. Thus begins the goddamn Nazi occupation of France. But Pitchell, this guy actually keeps rolling. You know, he's doing all these illegal things, handing out the prescriptions of addictive remedies. But eventually he actually gets charged with overprescribing narcotics. And despite the fact that two of the witnesses, Jean-Marc Van Beaver and Martha Cahate, completely disappear, you know, disappear just like old Louise Delavue. In July of 1942, he gets convicted and is charged with a fine. So, I mean... He gets charged with what? Murder? No, no, no. He gets charged Oh, over with, the overpriced... The, no, overprescribing. Overprescribing. Yeah. Okay, so the Nazis don't even want him. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, if the Nazis don't want you and... Yeah, he just gets a fine. You just, he doesn't you just, even go to jail. Yeah, here's a here's a twenty dollar fine. Twenty dollars was a lot back then, right? Right. <laughs> I actually don't know what the fine was. I think I want to say it was a thousand francs, but don't really quote oh. me on that. Okay. okay, but so he's like, you know, he the witnesses have disappeared. He's feeling bolder, so he actually ups his criminal game, basically to outright murder and theft. So this is what he does. Using the code name Dr. Eugene, Pitchell begins circulating the claim that he can get 
uh, he can arrange rather safe passage for any refugee wanting to go to Argentina for the price of 25,000 francs per person. Now, he actually even has three accomplices that help feed the victims into his trap and help discard the evidence. These victims will vary between Jewish refugees, French resistance fighters, and basically any other criminal looking to flee the goddamn Nazi occupation of France. So basically... Can we say Nazi without goddamn? Is that a th- Do I have to say goddamn Nazi too? Is this, is this a podcast rule? I don't know how many of you have done of these, so... <laughs> I don't know how many not- times Nazis pop up in your stories. Well, Nazi will be mentioned a few times, but it is the goddamn Nazis. Okay, so it's the goddamn Nazis. It's, it's that's not the just, official it's, it's term. It's the goddamn Nazis. It's the goddamn Nazis. Okay. All right. I'm down. I just need to know. Okay. So once these poor souls get filtered to Pitchell's house, he he no doubt sits them down, explains to them the process, what they can expect, but more importantly, he explains that Argentina requires inoculations. So naturally, they permit him to give him a vaccine injection. Only it's not a vaccine in the injection. No, he actually injects these poor people with cyanide. And then he scurries his little evil ass out the door and through a peephole, he will watch these people die. Nice. So, he, so these dudes pay him 2,500 francs currency, give a, get a immunization shot, and they die. Well, it's not immunization, it's cyanide, but... Right. He tells them, oh, you need this to cross the border. Right. But actually, sometimes he uses um, Zyklon B, which, yes, if you know your goddamn Nazi history... That is the same poison that was used in the concentration camp. So he, he kind of goes back and forth. He, oh, but he, so he, he just put whatever he wants in there. He could, he could freaking pick up some extra iron or something and right. kill them. Iron poisoning. I don't, I don't know. Right. <laughs> I don't know what doctors do. So, <laughs> and then, okay, then this, this guy, this fucking guy, after they're dead, he would not only steal their cash and valuables that they brought with him, to his house, but he would actually go to their houses and steal the valuables and sell off the furniture in their homes, telling the neighbors that it was all part of the deal that he had arranged with the victims. So it is believed that after all of this is said and done, Pitchell steals at least a million francs then, which is millions of dollars by today's standards, standards, standards. standards, standards. from his victims as a whole. So he kills them. He scurries to their house and be like, oh, this is all part of the plan. Selling their stuff for them. So, was, so what does he tell his neighbors? Oh, yeah, they're... Does he tell them they're dead? Or does he, does he tell them no. they moved? They just, yeah, oh. they, they, they made their way to South Oh, yeah, America. they're no longer here, so they told me to take care of their belongings for them. Correct. After he kills them, after he does the evil crap at the house, initially he dumps their bodies in the Seine River, the Seine River being the same river that runs through Paris but eventually he starts submerging the bodies in quicklime or he starts incinerating them in the basement which brings us to 1941 so Pitchell moves to 21 Rue Le Sur which is where our road trip is at to the uh, affluential neighborhood in the Eiffel Tower where he continues to operate this Dr. Eugene escape to Argentina scam 
But eventually, now remember, this is over a year that France had just lost the war. The Gestapo, which is the secret... The goddamn Nazi police. That's right. Goddamn Nazis in my house. So they actually get wind of it. And in case you don't remember, the goddamn Nazis is the... Or the Gestapo is the goddamn secret police, yes. 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 And so in 19... 43 in April of 1943 this Gestapo who did not know that this was actually a murdering plot believed it was a potential means of helping Jewish people escape so what they decided to do like a little test with this gentleman by the name of Ivan Dreyfus a Jewish man they set him up to approach the supposed network but Dreyfus actually just simply disappears the Gestapo doesn't even know what happens to him. Now, later the Gestapo actually will get an informant to infiltrate the group and Pitchell's three accomplices gets picked up by the Gestapo and under torture, they confess that Dr. Eugene is really Dr. Pitchell. The Gestapo then takes Pitchell into custody in May of 1943 and keeps him until January of 1944. During this time, he is reportedly being tortured because the, Scop- the Gestapo <laughs> thank you, wants to know about the French resistance that he's supposedly part of, you know, and again, they want to know about his operation. They want to know about everything that he's doing and how he's getting the, the people to Argentina, but it's all a lie. Right. It's right. So they think he's smuggling these dudes out of here. Well, I mean, he is. I mean, to, to hell or heaven, wherever they're going. But, you know, they... So, 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 I'm telling you, not even the goddamn Nazis want this guy around. I don't know how he made it this far in life. I Why don't... is he not rotting in prison? Well... I mean, the the military didn't want him. France don't want him, but they still got him. Nazis don't want him. God, sorry, goddamn Nazis don't want him. I don't understand. Right. So, anyways... This guy's packing something. I don't... <laughs> so, obviously, they get nothing out of him because it's a lie. Right. So, he actually gets released, and you'd think he would learn his lesson. You know, hey, I don't want to do this again, but no, he actually keeps on killing. That's right. He just... He just does it. Keeps, he, just keeps, he doesn't So, stop. wait, the Nazis just let him go. So, do they know that he's killing? Do we know this? No. They can't. He can't. They, can't. they can't prove that he's smuggling or killing. I guess they didn't go to his houses or anything because here's what happens. Like I said, he just keeps on killing. Right. Fast forward to March 11th, 1944. The stench of all of his victims' decaying bodies actually becomes too much for his neighbors to bear. And along with a large amount of smoke billowing from his apartment chimney, they call the police. And when the police arrive, they actually arrive on bicycles. Why? Are, the, are all the all the cars gone in the front lines? Have, well, it's in 1944. Well, so, well, I, I mean, mean, and it, they're they got occupied. jeeps and stuff. Well, they don't have the jeep jeeps, but they have nice cars over there. Either way, so, they, so the Lieutenant Dangle from Reno 911, right. the Gestapo police force, shows up in his booty shorts and ready to bust down the smelly house door. Well, no, actually, oh. what happens <laughs> okay. is they they see the smoke, they call the fire department. Then they get some interesting information from the neighbors. The neighbors are like, hey, this isn't the only house Dr. Pitchell owns. He owns the house at 66 Rue uh, Kumartin. And it's 
the the neighbors are like this house is supposed to have been empty for the last six months however the neighbors actually report to the cops but we keep seeing people coming and going with a lot of suitcases and people are delivering 30 to 40 heavy sacks of something we don't even know so people are coming going deliveries are being made but the house is supposedly empty now because the door is locked and they're like, well, we don't have anything to think. We, okay, this is strange information, but we don't have anything criminal. They call the number that they have for him at the other house on uh, 66 Rue Camarton. They're like, hey, there's a big fire. Dr. Pitchell says, don't enter. I'll be there in 15 after... <laughs> Right. Well, wait, 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 wait. I'm not there yet. You can't go in there. <laughs> right. So the fire department shows up. They actually have to enter the house through a second story window. And when they open the door to let the police in, the firemen like come running out and one of them's vomiting. And the fire department's like, uh, you got a problem in here. So the police enter the building. They all make their way down to the basement because again, they're there for the fire and they fire they find a roaring fire in the coal stove of the basement and in the fire itself is a protruding human arm as well as other body parts scattered in the basement but it's not just one arm obviously it's several human remains in the in the basement right there's just bodies so, right bodies and people dead people correct so they just walk into this nightmare they will the authorities go on to find other mutilated bodies in various states of decay, literally strewn about all the floors of the house. They also find a suitcase with body parts and organs. Down a marble staircase, they found a canvas bag full of body parts. And we're talking legs, arms, and heads. Basically, enough body parts to make up at least 10 people. In the backyard, they find some quickline pits in the backyard and in like the garage slash stable. And about this time, Dr. Pitchell actually shows up. He's like, hey, uh, you guys opened the door without permission. This dude still shows up. Correct. He knows these dudes about to go in his house and he still shows up. Correct. Because he actually arrives with the plan. So get, hold on, okay? Okay. Well, okay. <laughs> so he walks in, you know, Mr. Authority and begins questioning the nationality of the police officers to make sure that they're French. Any guesses? They're not. No, you don't have a guess. Any guesses of what? They're Why he does that? Uh, so if they're if they are French, he can turn them into the Gestapo. I mean, the no. Gestapo's not here. At this no, point, no, huh? Correct. This is the French police. Okay, so French police. Okay. okay. So okay, he okay. What's the nationality? All right. Okay. All right. He does this because his cover story is that these are the bodies of the Germans and the traitors of their country. So oh, yes, no. this mofo shows up mofo. with the scam that hey. I'm part of the French resistance and I help people escape to Argentina and these are the bodies of the bad guys. Okay? And then he tells the police that he has to hurry home to 66 Rue uh, Q. Martin to burn the 300 files he has associated with the French resistance. So guess what? The police... Being pissed about the goddamn Nazi occupation of their country, they let him go. They literally 
let him get back on the bike that he pedaled over with, and he's gone. So, oh, no. I mean, <laughs> I mean you'd think one officer would be like, okay, prove it. Prove that this this arm over here was a Nazi, you know, or, like, a German fascist or a lover, you know, like, you'd think one guy. Okay. You know, if I can, I don't know. I don't know, man. Well, all right. I feel like I could have survived back then just by lying, and I would have got away with so much stuff. Well, It was I mean, clever. Okay. It was clever. I'll give but, him that. Okay, Joel, this, it gets even... How? Okay. How? You literally just lied to the police with all these dead bodies around and told them, yeah, this is for you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I did this for leaving La France, you know? Right. Gosh. <laughs> all right. So, while the police begin the pickup, their, the cleanup, rather... Eventually, the police will take away 33 pounds of charred bones, 11 pounds of human hair, including more than 10 scalps, plus all these suitcases and caravans, or I mean, um, not caravans, but canvas bags and garbage bags of human pieces too small to identify. But they also find suitcases filled with the belongings of his victims. And they find some of the victims' belongings scattered about the house. So obviously, Pitchell had to empty out some of the victims' suitcases to use them to carry out the body parts. <clears throat> now, Commissioner George's Victor Masu gets called out to the house. And he's like, um, hold ups. A soundproof basement, shackles peeps holes this don't feel right but then right just as george victor's like no 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 no. all right the man we're looking for this is the guy this is my home this is my home this is lieutenant Monsieur. right <laughs> he's like wait a minute hold on <laughs> right <laughs> he's the only one who's questioning all of this Correct. okay cool all right this is my boy but then okay the police receive a telegram from the gestapo ordering the arrest of Pitchell and saying this guy is a dangerous lunatic. So in response to being ordered by the Descapo, the French police were like, hmm, I think we're going to slow our French roll on this. Especially, <sighs> especially when they learn that Pitchell was picked up by the Gestapo and he was tortured and he was questioned about the French underground resistance and about smuggling Jewish people to Argentina. So basically, uh, he, the Gestapo just gave Pitchell credence and his story that he told the cops. Gosh. Okay. So they're all like, oh, yeah, <laughs> this guy's telling the truth. Right. Oh, right. no. So, but something still doesn't feel right. And George's Victor is not quite done. Okay. All right. All right. Here we so go. Pitchell pedals off into the darkness. <laughs> he pedals off into the darkness as I pedal to the, the valley of death. <laughs> <laughs> he pedals. Into the, all right. All right. All right. Well, he's getting good. Right. It's he, like an HBO story. Go on. <laughs> he goes into hiding with some friends, claiming that the Gestapo was after him for killing the double agents and the informants. Remember, he was a doctor. He did help people. So he does have Yeah, with people... his backstreet abortions. <laughs> yes. Thanks. Thanks for making sure my kid doesn't come out. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. So while he's, you know, in hiding, he grows a beard and he adopts various aliases. But George's Victor is following his guts. 
from the pieces of the bodies, they know that the victims were not killed with knives or guns or poisoned with like heavy toxic metals. So they start thinking of organic poisons, all right? The police eventually get to 66 Rue Kumartin Street, the house, the Pitchell's other house, and there they find chloroform, they find strychnine, and other poisons that just don't seem natural. Plus, they find 50 times the typical physician's stock of heroin and morphine. Remember, this guy is a drug addict. Okay. At about this time, the police actually get a break. From the bodies found at the house at 21, they find the two bodies of the witnesses that were going to testify against Pitchell and his drug-related case a few years back. You remember how the witnesses disappeared? So they actually find Jean-Marc Van Beaver and Martha Cahate. So now... That was her name. Yeah, I know. Okay, so now they're like, no, 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 no. Now, no, this isn't right. Now we have a real case. And then to add to their developing case, Marcel's brother, Maurice, basically rolls over on Marcel, tells the police about his participation with the delivery of the quick line to the house. Remember how the neighbors were complaining about the delivery of the 30 to 40 bags of heavy stuff? Yeah. That was the brother. And then... What they do is they turn around and they charge Maurice with conspiracy to commit murder, and he gets jailed. His wife will also be charged for aiding her husband, and she gets arrested. Not stopping there, they also find Pitchell's accomplices for the Dr. Eugene scam, killing scam. Because it's these accomplices that, you know, basically confirm everything. And then the cops find the people who were removing the suitcases from the house a Albert and Simone Newhausen. So they basically roped everybody. The cops have everybody. Everybody but him. Correct. And then as if he's about to get away with it, June 6, 1944 happens, guys. Any 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 guesses why? Why? Oh, I gotta say, I guess no one else here, huh? They can't. <laughs> it's D Day, baby. That's right. <laughs> June 6, 1944, they literally had to stop their investigation because it is the invasion of Normandy. Here it is. The the Americans, the Allies, the British, the Canadians, Canadians. the Australians. Them damn Canadians. (laughs) Even the Poles. The Polish people are there. Everyone's helping. That's right. To help free occupied France. As during this time, Pitchell himself, he actually joins the French underground, like for reals, which actually ends up getting him unwanted exposure. He adopts uh, the name of Henry Valerie, and he joins the French forces of the interior, and he becomes a captain in charge of counter-espionage and prisoner interrogations. Because of this participation, he gets an article on him published in a newspaper associated with the French resistance. So he actually becomes notable again out in public. While at a train station on October 31st, 1944, he gets spotted and the police are called and he finally gets arrested. He gets arrested on Halloween. And when they arrest him on his person is a pistol, 31,000 francs and 50 sets of identifications. So, I mean, he's actually... He's Jason Bourne. Correct. I don't know if you watched the first 
Jason Bourne movie. If you haven't yet, you should go check it out. But that's exactly what happens. He goes to the but, bank, he gets his IDs, a hell of a lot of money, and a bunch of passports. But he's the serial killer. Okay, okay yeah, but yeah, Jason Bourne's not a serial killer. But right, I mean, yeah. All right, he's Jason Bourne. He's caught, and he's you know arrested, and he's placed on death row at Lasante Prison. And while there, he continues to claim that he's innocent, only killing the enemies of France, and that he would discover the bodies, the pile of bodies, while renting the mansion because he thought these were the bodies killed by his collaborators in the un- in his underground network. Remember? I only killed Germans and right. traitors. Anyone who's, who's helping the goddamn Nazis. Right. So he's like, my... My cooperators are just dropping these bodies, and I, you know, I'm just quick climbing them for the benefit of the cause. But because of the police investigations, they know he's lying. They know there was no actual killing networks for the underground French resistance. They also know that some of the groups he claimed to have been working for and killed for did not exist. So On March 19th, he is placed on trial for 135 criminal counts. 135. Correct. They say that in French. I don't know. Sitting in judgment is three judges and seven jurors. And during the trial, Pitchell's attorney is actually going to try his best to paint Pitchell as a French resistance hero. And as part of the case, all the judges and the jurors actually have to go visit this house of horrors on Le Sur. Wait, are the bodies still there? No. Okay. But I mean... Oh, I mean, the, I mean, it, it's the stench and you, know, you can't really just get rid of 135 bodies smell. Right. So they'll they'll go into the basement. They'll see the peephole. They'll see the shackles, the soundproof basement. You know, they're going to see it all. They see it all. Do you think they try to sell it? Like real estate? I think it was like a real estate agent that's trying to sell the house. <laughs> well, it's been like 70 years, so... Well, I mean, not now, but like back then when, you know, after they clean up the bodies and stuff, you're like, well, it's still property. We could still sell this. I mean, leave the shackles. But, well, know? this was actually a mansion, a beautiful mansion. In fact, a, I don't remember her name, but a, a quote unquote lesser princess actually had previously rented this mansion before he took it or yeah. maybe after. I'm assuming before. But anyways, they go, they see what the house looks like, the condition of the house. And at his trial, he actually admits to killing more than 60 quote-unquote enemies of France. And when questioned about these other killings, Pitchell's like, no, 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 no. I'm not going to tell you about these, you know, these 40 other killings because I'm not currently being charged with them. So I'm not answering for them. And it's also worth mentioning that the families of the victims hire attorneys and lawyers to help the prosecutors for this trial. So basically the family's like, I'm going to hire this attorney to help the French t- prosecutor get this guy. Okay. Cause he's the guy. Cause he's struggling. Well, I mean, <laughs> they know it's him. Cause remember he went to their houses. Yeah, they, They've known this whole time. <laughs> Somehow, some way someone's already known that this is the guy, but now they're finally here. And they're still haven't just said, this is it. I don't understand why no one's just the judge is just a step in and be like, look, this is the guy. Okay. Okay. Well, there's three judges. Well, th- yeah. He's, okay, even more. Three heads to say, look, the dude had a bunch of bodies in his house, burning incinerators, shackles, people, cyanide, morphine, heroin. <laughs> I don't know what else you you need at this point. Well, this is true. So, in the end, the judges and the jurors are basically not buying his BS. After three hours of deliberation, they come back with a guilty verdict. 
And out of the 27 murders he's actually charged with, I don't know why, but he only gets convicted of 26 of them. <laughs> okay, that yeah, that one might not have been him. <laughs> it's just, it's just, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. Yeah, these people are great. Right. Okay. okay. So for his crimes, he gets the death penalty, and France is not fucking around. He refuses to see a priest, stating that he preferred to take his baggage with him to death. And after a two-day delay of his death sentence, when they were ready to properly execute him, Pitchell was offered the traditional glass of rum and a cigarette. Now he declines the rum, but takes the cigarette. And then at 5.05 AM on May 26, 1946, he is guillotined. And it is said that when, when he gets guillotined, he is smiling as his dead head drops into the basket below. Well, be, yeah, I'd be smiling too. This dude is rolling in dough, drugs, he he married that one chick. I don't know. If they were together throughout the whole the whole thing. Well, yeah. She gets oh, yeah. Arrest. She gets she gets arrested too, huh? Yeah. Yeah. So this dude's got a hot wife. This guy's supposed to be ugly. He's got millions of dollars. He's a doctor. He got a doctor's degree. Served in the war, both wars, technically. I mean, this guy's lived his full life and got away with everything. And he's and he's like, all right, I'm good. I mean, he he. You know what? I believe he could have beat the system. He did almost try, but I feel like he was like, all right, you know what? I'm tired. Tired of killing. I just, I just want to go to bed. You know. I don't know. I don't know, man. Yeah, I mean, yeah, fifty alias or fifty identifications, sets of identification on him. He could have left whatever he wanted. I don't know why. He, I mean, his, he just, this guy's crazy. <laughs> I, I don't know how. I don't know what the people of France are doing back then. Well, I, they did have a lot of other things going on in the forties. Okay, yeah, okay? I know the goddamn Nazis are there, but even before that, I mean, what just. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, the, the, I'm not trying to accuse anybody of wrongdoings of, you know, the, lack, up. the lack of their common sense, but just saying the French people kind of should have, you know. Been a little bit more onto this yeah, guy? Well, yeah, okay. you, you okay. would hope, but I mean, I guess the system doesn't work sometimes, and you just let one big thing fall through the cracks. <laughs> well, either way, he's dead. So what did you think of our road trip? It was good. I didn't know where we were going. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and at this point, I just I'm told to get in the car, <laughs> and you just shut your mouth and let's go. <laughs> and you're gonna listen to what I have to say. That's she didn't explain how this works. This is how it works because I didn't know how this works, <laughs> but we know now. She's just gonna mind blow you. Okay. Well, this is so blow far our first serial killer stop. I do have other destinations for us to check out next time. But that's our road trip to 21 Rue Le Sir, Paris, France. Again, this place would become to be known as Paris's most sinister street. And this is why Dr. Pitchell will be nicknamed Dr. Satan. Dr. Satan. They don't even mess around with it. They don't give him some cool nickname. I mean, it's better than Dr. Eugene. That was kind of weird. Dr. Eugene's going to take care of that baby for you. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, God. Someone, no. Who let Dr. Eugene do these things? Is Eugene French? Probably. Eugene. 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 Dr. Eugene's going to see you now. Yeah. <laughs> so, so <laughs> <this> <laughs> Dr. Eugene will take care of you now. Now I'm good, man. <laughs> I'll just keep the baby. Well, that's all we have for our road trip with the panda, Panda Mike. 
Panda Mike. Panda Mike. That's not so bad. Pandemonium Mike. <laughs> <laughs> so to wrap this up, if you have a place that you would someday like to see where their dark corners are or have a specific tourist attraction or for the special editions, a specific address, send me an email at where the dark corners are at gmail.com. And please remember, only the few can find the beauty in the darkness, which is why I hope to meet you where the dark corners are. Mm-hmm.